Today we'll be reading from Luke 11, 1 through 4. If you do not have a Bible, our ushers are coming down the aisle. Um, you can raise your hand and feel free to keep the Bible as a gift, or if you know someone who needs the Bible, you can also give it to them. Um, again, we'll be reading from Luke 11, 1 through 4. Um, and if you have one of the Bibles that we gave you, you can turn to page 816 as well. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for everything you've given us. Um, thank you for your blessings and your constant faithfulness in our lives. Um, I just pray that we would uh, continue to remember that we need you every single day, Lord, and that we would come to you for our daily bread. Um, thank you so much for everything you've done. Amen. 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 Good morning. You can have a seat. Uh, my name is Mike Lee, and I get to be the pastor here at Mission Valley Church. If you're new here today, if it's your first time uh, joining us, I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, I would love nothing more than to, to connect with you after service. And so a couple of ways we can do that. I'm going to be standing out in the courtyard. We can shake hands out there, fist bump, whatever you're into, or uh, fill out one of these connect cards. Uh, James will tell us more about that at the end of the service. And then finally, the third way that we can connect, if you want, just shoot me a text, 602-763-3331, uh, and we can arrange a way to meet uh, through that. So today we're continuing this series that we're calling Jesus the Perfect Life. We've, we've just been walking through the Gospel of Luke looking at the perfect life of Jesus. And so we've spending these, these weeks leading up to Easter uh, so that we can get ourselves ready to come in here on Easter and celebrate the greatest miracle that's ever happened, the fact that Jesus walked right out of the grave. And so we're excited for it. Um, we're going to be here for two services on Easter Sunday, both a 9 o'clock and a 1030 service, and we hope you're making plans uh, to invite your friends. I'm excited for it. So uh, I want to start off today just by asking you a question. I don't want you to answer the weird. It's not like a, not one of those type of things. But I just want to ask you a question to think about there where you're sitting. And the question is simply this, how's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? This is one of the three questions that I'll often ask. Uh, it's a question that I often use to try to get an insight into how you're doing. Uh, part of my responsibility as your pastor, part of the, the responsibility of all the elders here as we pastored and shepherd this flock of believers known as Mission Valley Church is to check in on how you're doing. And one of the three questions that we'll often ask is, how is your prayer life? We might also ask, how are you or how is your Bible reading? And one of the things that we realize is, is that we ask these questions to try to get some insight into how you're doing. I find that when Christians are not praying, things don't tend to go well. It's just one of those things. Uh, the, the other day, uh, somebody was telling me that, uh, that they had car trouble because there was no oil in their car. And it was like one of those things where it's like, yeah, you kind of need oil in a car. It's just one of the things you got to have. Uh, yet, just yesterday, I watched a young man who had taken his dad's Camaro out uh, and gotten a flat tire, and he was at the gas station trying to fill it up. You know, the little hoses that have air hoses? He was trying to fill up the tire with the water hose. Um, and it wasn't going well for him at all. And I was like, you know, there's just a couple of things you need for a car to work. You need like oil and, and you need air and you need, you need gas. There's a couple of things. And as Christians, there's a couple of things you need. And one of those things is your prayer life. And so I'll often just ask, how is your prayer life? How is uh, your, your time with God? How's your Bible reading going? And most of the time, the answer I get to both of those questions, how's your Bible reading or how is your prayer life, is some form of it could be better. 
It's like the most common answer. If I just say to Christians, like, hey, how's your prayer life? The most common answer I get is some form of it could be better. So people say, well, I'm sort of doing it, but not as much as I want to. Or it's just always some form of it could be better. And I always find this answer fascinating because I never ask the question with a scale in mind. Like, I never ask the question thinking like, well, hey, I never say like, hey, on a scale of 1 to 10, how's your prayer life? I never say, hey, in comparison to other 21st century Americans, how's your prayer life? And so when people say it could be better, I'm always sort of fascinated by that. And so I'll just kind of dive in. And when I dive in on that question and ask, well, what is it keeping your prayer life from being better? Because if you are telling me that my prayer life could be better, then I'll just simply say, well, what's getting in the way of it being better? What I most often hear then is either I really don't know how to pray or I don't know what to pray for. And so today I'm thankful for God's word and specifically thankful that we can sit under the teaching of Jesus as we just open up the gospel of Luke and learn from Jesus. Jesus, who in this passage is going to teach his disciple and all of us here gathered today how to pray and specifically what to pray for uh, is sort of our big idea today. Jesus teaches us to pray. Of all the the perfect things that Jesus does, one of the perfect things that Jesus does is Jesus teaches us to pray, and we're going to see that in the text today. Now, in case you haven't been with us, let's just recap some of what has happened between Jesus and his disciples. Some of the the things that have happened between the time that Jesus has called these people to follow him and and the point where they're at today. Jesus has has gone to some people. He said, hey, why don't you come follow me, and I'm going to teach you how to do something. I'm going to teach you how to live like me. I'm going to teach you how to be a Christian. And so they have been following him. And as they have followed him, they've seen some really amazing things. They have seen Jesus heal. They have seen Jesus dive out, drive out impure spirits. They have seen Jesus feed the hungry. They have seen Jesus literally bring someone back from the dead. They're, they're witness to all these really amazing things, some just truly unbelievable, miraculous things. And now in chapter 11, they are asking Jesus to teach them how to pray. They're literally like, hey, will you just teach us how to pray? We want to learn how to pray. Chapter 11, verse 1 says this, And now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. The first thing I want us to notice about this text is that Jesus was praying in a certain spot. Jesus just goes off to pray. And I think it's important to note that throughout Jesus' perfect life, Throughout all these gospel accounts that we read of Jesus' life, we will see him go off to pray. He takes time away from the healing and the teaching and the feeding and the discipling and the doing of what it is to be a Christian to go off and pray, to get by himself with his Father and pray. He gets alone with his Father in heaven and he prays. He prays for all manner of things. And I think this is instructive for us. That in the hustle and bustle of the world, the things that we're doing, the things that we're trying to get accomplished, the children that we're trying to raise, the jobs that we're we're trying to work, the, the homes that we're trying to keep, whatever it is that you are trying to do, if Jesus took time to go off by himself to pray to his Father, who are we to do anything less? It's instructive for us that we should just go off and pray. 
He, he does this. He prays for all manner of things. One of his most famous prayers will happen in the Garden of Gethsemane where he will pray asking God if there is any other way than the cross and all that comes with it. Jesus often prays and his disciples have noticed it. They've seen him go off and pray. They've gone ahead in a boat while Jesus went off to a solitary place to pray. They have noticed the many different times that Jesus goes off to pray and now they're asking Jesus, teach us to pray. They're just looking at Jesus as the Messiah teacher, king that he is, and saying, Jesus, you, you have taught us so much. We've learned so many things from you. Will you teach us how to pray? Will you teach us how to pray? And this makes me think that when I'm talking to people that look a lot like you, and I say, how's your prayer life? And you say, it could be better. And I say, well, what's getting in the way of it? And you say, well, either I don't know how to pray or I don't know what to pray for. It is instructive that Jesus himself said, I am going to teach you how to pray. That his disciples that are living in close proximity to him are saying, can you just teach us how to pray, Jesus? And Jesus says, I'm going to teach you how to pray. And together with the disciples today, we are going to learn how to pray and we're going to learn what prayer is for. And so we're going to look at this text, uh, often referred to as the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to pull full five key ideas out of it. The first is this, Jesus teaches us to pray to glorify God. One of the first things that we do when we pray, one of the first things that Jesus is going to do in this prayer today is he is going to glorify God. Look what it says in verse 2. It says, and he said to them, when you pray, say this. This is literally Jesus just saying, hey, if you want to know how to pray, pray like this. I'm going to teach you exactly how to do it. Like, I'm not going to make this difficult for you. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you a parable about this. I just, just do it like this. If you don't know how to do it, do it like this. And you start off by glorifying God. And this is what he says. This is when you pray, say Father, hallowed be your name. Start off with that recognition that you are praying to God and he is to be glorified and his name is to be hallowed. It is to be lifted up. It is amazing. And so we take a moment when we pray and we just glorify him. Do we do this enough? Do we just stop enough to just stop and think about how awesome God is? When we say to each other, like, well, I would pray more, but I don't know what to pray for, start with, God, you are awesome. God, you are amazing. God, you work miracles, and I, and I just can't even believe I get to talk to you. Just start off by glorifying God. I mean, remember who God is. God spoke life into existence. He literally made everything out of nothing. He created the heavens and the earth. He hung every star in the sky. He formed you in your mother's womb. He knows every single hair on your head, and God did all of that. God knows and numbered every single one of your days before you ever took a breath. That is how awesome God is. God knows what you're going to do today. He knows what you're going to do next week. He knows how your life is going to plan out. He knows all of it. That is how awesome our God is. And so Jesus is saying when you start to pray, just start off by glorifying God. God, hallowed be your name. How amazing are you? He is all things, and he holds all things together, and at the same time, God has a plan for your life. Have you ever just stopped and wondered at how the world works? It's so amazing how the world works. I've heard scientists say stuff like, hey, if the, the earth's axis was tilted like one degree one way or another, like everybody would fall off. Like, wow, God, that's pretty unbelievable. That's pretty amazing. You figured out how to make that work, and you still have a plan for me? I would think God would be pretty busy just holding people on the planet. Like that seems like a, like a big enough task. For me, I would just leave, I'd leave it right there. I wouldn't care what you all did all day. I'd be like, hey, you didn't fall off the world today. 
You ever like just pray and you're complaining and you're like talking about all the things that are like not going well in your life? Like, man, I caught every red light on the way home. While you were spinning around on a circle. You're spinning around on a circle right now. We're, it doesn't make any sense but God. And yet he still has a plan for your life. He's amazing and he is worthy of our worship. Church, I want you to know that if you're in this room today, you are a witness to a miracle. Whether you realize that, whether you realize that was going to happen when you showed up at church today, I'm telling you, it is. It's happened. God has performed a miracle in our church by bringing Easton Humphreys back in here. The boy is right here, right now. Yeah, you can clap for that. You can clap for that. Because two months ago, we met over there. Two months ago, we met over in the chapel, and we begged God. We prayed, God, bring him back in this room. Bring him back into this room. Let us be around him again. Let us see him again. And the boy is here. God has performed a miracle, and he is worthy of our praise. And so we praise him. And if you are a Christian, you are a miracle too. I want us to look at Easton today and see, hey, that is, there's a miracle sitting right there. And if you are a Christian and you look in the mirror, hey, there's a miracle sitting right there too. Because if you are a Christian, if you have believed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, you were literally dead and Jesus brought you back to life. You are a miracle. It is worthy to just stop everything you're doing every single day and say, God, thank you so much for saving me. I literally couldn't save myself and you saved me. I was dead in my transgressions, far apart of you from sin, and you came down here and you chose me and you loved me and you saved me and I'm a miracle. And it's a good idea to just worship God for that. To just lift up God's name, hallowed be your name. To say, God, you are awesome. God, you are a miracle word worker. God, you are a promise keeper. God, you make a way when it seems like there is not a way. Church, are you taking time in your prayer life to glorify God? If you would say today, hey, my prayer life could be better, just start. Just start tomorrow morning, this afternoon, the next time you pray. Just start lifting off all the things that you're thankful for. God, I'm so thankful that you saved me. God, I'm so thankful that I'm alive. God, I'm so thankful that you've given me the ability to work. God, I'm so thankful for all these things. that you've God, thank you for just letting me stay on the earth and not letting me fall off because it's spinning around in a circle around the sun. That's crazy. I don't think we praise God enough for that. Start with that. God, are we, or church, are we lifting up God in our prayer life? The second thing Jesus teaches us, Jesus teaches us to pray, heaven come. Jesus teaches us that we should be praying heaven down. Pray, heaven come. Luke eleven two. 2, it says, and your kingdom come. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. I want us to key in on the fact that Jesus is teaching us to pray, kingdom come here. To say, God, please bring your kingdom here. To say, God, this world is broken. It's a broken world and it is not our home. God, we know you didn't make it like this. We know it's our sin that caused all the brokenness that we see. All the problems in this world, we know that we did it. And so we are praying, God, that you would bring your kingdom down here. To say, God, bring heaven here. The prayer is, come Lord Jesus and come quickly. This should be our prayer this should be our prayer every day. God, just, could you just come back? Jesus, please come back. Please come get us. Please come take us home. Come bring, our, bring your home here. God, we are, we are, we, we've been here. We're, we're doing the thing and everything like that. We're all going to work. 
We're paying our taxes. Like we're doing the things we're supposed to be doing. We're saying yes to service team opportunities. We're doing all of the things. But can you just come back, Jesus? Just come back. Come back. Come back. We want you to come back. There is a major difference between God, please make this place better, and God, please bring your kingdom here. We are to be praying, kingdom come. I don't know what else you have planned today, but there's nothing that would be better than if Jesus would to show up before the end of the sermon. That would be the best thing that could happen today. I don't know what else you got going on. I don't know what you're doing this week. I don't know what's on your agenda. I know we got big plans for Easter. I'll scrap all of them if Jesus would just come back today. Janine's got all kinds of plans for Easter. She's working so hard to get ready for Easter. I promise you that she's ready for Jesus to come. She'll scrap them all. There's nothing better that could happen. And I don't think we pray this enough. And Jesus is praying, he's teaching us, pray, kingdom, come. It's the prayer that makes sense. Lord Jesus, come and come quickly is an appropriate prayer to pray today and every day until Jesus comes back. When you encounter the horrors of this world, when you encounter the brokenness of this world, when you're out and about and you just see homelessness, the prayer is come, Lord Jesus, come and come quickly. When you see crimes where anybody is hurt in any way, shape, or form, the answer is come, Lord Jesus, come and come quickly. When you see homes that are broken and devastated by all manner of things, the prayer is come, Lord Jesus, and come quickly. When you see death and disease and trouble and hardship and all manner of, of just struggles that people are dealing with, the, the prayer is come, Lord Jesus, and come quickly. Praying like this is a reminder. It's a reminder that while we are here and we are living on mission for Jesus, while we are here and we are trying to be an example to other people for Jesus, this is not our home. Kingdom come. Church, are you praying kingdom come? The third thing Jesus teaches us to pray for is this. Jesus teaches us to pray for our needs. This is such a good reminder that while we're taking time to pray to glorify God for all the amazing things he's done, while we're praying that God would bring his kingdom down here, that we have a God that is so good and so big that he actually cares about what we need. Do you ever just stop and think about the fact that there, let me just, just tell you a harsh truth about the world. There are very, very few people in this world that actually care about what you need. This is a harsh truth. There are very, very few people that truly care about what you need. There are very, very few people that really, really care about your desires and, and what you want and what you, what you need, what you think you need. But God does. And so Jesus teaches us to pray in verse 3. He says, give us each day our daily bread. What is the daily bread? It is the things that we need. It is the things that we need every day. The things that help us live in this broken world until Jesus comes back or calls us home. Do you realize that you can go to the creator of the heavens and earth, the one that hung every star in the sky, and say, God, here's what I need today. What an unbelievable privilege to pray for our needs what an unbelievable thing to have a God that cares about the needs of people like us. If I was God, I would be like, Mike, you, I am too busy today to worry about whatever it is that you're dealing with. It ain't that big of a deal. I'm literally holding people on a planet, spinning around a ball of fire. Like, leave me alone. That would be me if I was God. But God's not like that. God's literally like, tell me what you need. 
Bring your needs to me. Tell me what it is you need. To pray, Jesus, help me be your presence in the world today. Jesus, help me to get done the things that you want me to get done today. To pray, Jesus, watch over my family as they're trying to navigate this broken world. To pray, Jesus, help me learn how to park the car to pray. Jesus, help me figure out like what to do for my major. Jesus, help me to figure out how to live in this relationship. Jesus, help me figure out how to, to work with this guy that I don't like working with. Jesus, whatever it is, we get to pray for whatever it is we need. And he is a good father that cares about us. And Jesus is reminding us that this good father wants us to come to him. He wants us to come to him. We're not a nuisance we're not a problem. We're not a pain. We're not an inconvenience to our God. Jesus is teaching us that in this prayer that, that he wants us to come in. Look, I have kids, and I know that I want them to come to me with what they need. I have kids, and I want them to come in and tell me, like, Dad, I need this thing. I want them to come and say to Mom and Dad, like, I need this thing. Mom and Dad, I, I, I kind of want this thing. I even want them to come to me with their wants. Even when they want to wait like in line for hours to buy a Taylor Swift t-shirt, I still want them to come and tell me that stuff. And sometimes I want to say yes to them, and a lot of times I want to say no. But, but while I can't always say, say yes to all of their wants, I can at least say yes to those things that they need. How many of you, if you have a child, comes to you and says, hey, I need this thing for school, you want to give that to them. You want them to come and tell you that thing, and God wants that for us. We want to provide good things for our children, but God is so much better of a father than I am and so much better than you are, and he wants you to come and tell him what you need. Church, are you praying for Jesus to give you what you need, or are you just praying for the things that you want? We get to go to God and say, God, this is what I need today. I'm going to need some patience, God. i got to deal with somebody that's like str- that I'm struggling to deal with. God, I'm going to need some strength today because I'm, I'm walking through a really hard season of life. I need that. I don't know how I'm going to do this. God, I need some direction in my life. I don't know what I'm, I'm doing in this, this thing that's going on. God, I need some help with these relationships. God, I need some help with my family, with my finances, with, with whatever it is. And we can go to God. Church, are you praying for Jesus to give you what you need? Number four, Jesus teaches us to pray for forgiveness. People say, how's your prayer life? People say, I could be better. Well, here you go. Pray for forgiveness. Luke eleven four 4 says this. As Jesus is teaching us to pray, he says, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Here's two facts that I've learned about living in a broken world. You can write these down if you're the kind of person who likes to write these things down. There's two things I'm pretty sure of. One, you're going to need to ask for more forgiveness than you can imagine. You're going to need to ask for so much more forgiveness than you can imagine. And number two, you're going to give away or you're going to need to give away more forgiveness than you can imagine. Let's unpack that for just a second. The first is this. You're going to need to ask for so much more forgiveness than you can imagine. Here's what will happen. You will offend others and you will offend God. Sometimes we will do this on purpose. Sometimes we'll just be that kind of person. We'll just sin against somebody because we can and we want to. We will be offensive and we will mean to cause offense. We will just decide today, I've decided to be grumpy and I'm going to take it out on you. I've just decided and that's it. Sorry, hate it for you. Sometimes we'll do that. I know nobody like you would do that, but people that look a lot like you might do that, right? Sometimes we'll just offend people. Maybe you just took offense to what I said. I meant it. I'm sorry. 
But oftentimes we'll do it because of carelessness. We'll often offend because of carelessness. We'll, 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 we'll forget to be kind. We'll forget who we're talking to. We will forget that we are supposed to walk in this broken world as an example of Jesus. And so we will be careless with people's feelings, with people's time, with people's emotions. We'll be careless and we will offend. But no matter whether we do it on purpose or because of carelessness, you can bet for sure that we will offend people. We will offend with our words or lack of words. We'll offend with our words or lack of words. It's amazing how you can be offensive with the words you use or the words you don't use. This morning I was offensive because I lacked to use words. I, like, I mean, that was not on purpose. I just didn't even, have, I didn't even think I needed some words and I didn't use them and I was offensive. And it just happens, I'm telling you. We're going to do it. And if it's somebody as holy as me, I mean... I, no, just, my family's sitting real close. They're going to start throwing stuff. We will offend with our actions or lack of actions. There are things that we will do to people that will be offensive. And there will th be things that we should do that we don't do that will also be offensive. We'll just do it, sometimes on purpose and sometimes on accident. I've walked past people before, just at church. I've just been walking from one place to another, not intending to offend anybody, and I don't stop and talk to somebody, and they are offended by it. And I didn't mean to. I did, like, I, quite frankly, I didn't even notice you standing there. I was thinking about something else. I was, like, on my way somewhere else. Just last week, I was just on my way somewhere else, and, like, Gail had to, like, grab hold of me, like, hey, Pastor Mike, I'm trying to talk to you. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm sorry, Gail. I, I did it again. I just got vision. I got, you know, I was bad. I'm just not good. We'll offend people with our, our actions and our lack of actions. We will offend with our intentions or lack of intention. Have you ever just offended somebody because you were not intentional enough about something? You'll just do it. It's what's going to happen. We will offend others and we'll offend God. And so we pray for forgiveness. We pray, God, forgive me. Help me to go to this person that I've offended and ask for forgiveness. We pray to do the only thing that really matters when we've sinned against others and sinned against God and to simply be able to walk up to God and walk up to somebody else and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I'll try to work on doing better. Please forgive me. Not like, hey, here's all the reasons I screwed that up. Or here's all the ways that you offended me first and that'll justify my offenses. None of the blame shifting, none of that stuff. What a powerful thing it is to just walk up to somebody or approach God and say, hey, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I'm gonna try, on, I'm gonna try to work on doing that better. Please forgive me. To say that with sincerity. I'm sorry, please forgive me. You're gonna need to do that so many more times than you can ever Imagine. Also, you're going to need to give away so much more forgiveness than you can imagine. Jesus is teaching us to pray for forgiveness because he knows how much of it we're going to need. He knows we're going to need it in like endless quantities. People will offend you. Spouses, children, parents, friends, co-workers, strangers, pastors, all of them will offend you. You're going to get offended. There's no way to get out of this place unoffended. It's going to happen. Many of you will get offended today. Some of you may be offended right now. It's just going to happen. And you're going to be offended. Sometimes it will be malicious, but most often it will be because of carelessness. People will hurt you without intention. And when they do, you can offer powerful words. Everybody says, or I hear a lot of people say that I love you are the three most powerful words in the human language, but I don't think so. I think I forgive you are the most powerful words in the human language. 
To look at somebody that has offended you, to look at somebody that has caused you pain and just say, I forgive you. And when we forgive somebody, all we're really doing is canceling a debt. We're saying we're not going to hold you accountable for that thing that you did. We're not saying it was okay. We're not saying you can do it again. We're not saying everything's just hunky-dory and we just can't wait to be pals every day. But we are simply canceling the debt to say something so powerful, I forgive you. Church, are we praying for this? Are we praying for the ability to do this? And because you'll need more forgiveness than you can imagine, and because you will need to give away more forgiveness than you can imagine, you're going to have to go to the source of forgiveness. You're going to have to pray to Jesus for it. To literally pray, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, help me forgive others. Jesus, help me forgive myself. These are powerful prayers. Jesus isn't flippantly teaching us how to pray. This is the deep end of the pool. This is it. This is what you need. When his disciples come to him and say, Jesus, teach us to pray. Jesus doesn't give them a 17-page dissertation. It's four verses in the Bible. Do it like this. He's teaching us. Are you praying for forgiveness? And are you praying to forgive others? The fifth is this. Jesus teaches us to pray out of temptation and deliver us from evil. He teaches us this. If we look at 11, Luke 11.4, 11, and then also we're going to look at Matthew 6.13, uh, it's the same prayer recorded in two different places. Just in the Matthew uh, version, there's a, an extra verse in there. It says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus is reminding us that we need to pray to avoid temptation and be delivered from evil. A couple of weeks ago, we, we got together and we talked about how this equation works. It, it starts with desire that, that happens because we have impure hearts. You, you and I have impure hearts, and so we want things that we should not want, and we want things that we should not have that are not good for us. We desire those things, and so we are tempted to them. And Jesus is praying, stop it there. Because if you don't, temptation will lead to sin, and sin will always lead to death. We remember this because we talk about it a lot. It's not that sometimes sin will lead to death. Sin will always lead to death. It is what happens. We sin, and then that leads to death. Death of relationships, death of trust, death of time, death of health, death of all kinds of things. But sin should always be equated to death. And Jesus is saying that if the, the, the equation goes, which it does, desire, temptation, sin, death, Jesus is saying pray to stop it at temptation. Pray to stop it there. To pray, Jesus, please take this temptation away from me. Jesus, help me not to fall into this temptation lest it become sin. Here, Jesus is instructing us that we pray not to be tempted. It looks like saying, Jesus, help me not to be tempted with lust. Jesus, help me not to be tempted by greed. Jesus, help me not to be tempted by power. Jesus, help me not to be tempted to deceive. Jesus, help me not to be tempted to be angry. When people say, my prayer life could be better, and I say, well, what would help it be better? And you say, well, I don't know what to pray for. I think, oh my gosh, so you're walking around with no temptation. Good for you, because I got lots. We should be praying continuously about this. Jesus, help me today not to fall into temptation. Jesus, help me today. Deliver me from evil. Jesus, help me to avoid temptation lest I give into it which will lead to sin and death. 
Church, you and I are sinners, and as such, we deserve death. We, we, we have evil desires, and it leads to sin, and it leads to death, and we deserve that. And so we have to pray that Jesus would help us fight off these desires before they lead to sin, separation, and death. Do you recognize how dangerous temptation is, and is it part of your prayer life? How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? Are you praying to glorify God? They say, God, I just can't even believe how amazing you are. Hallowed be your name. I can't even believe I get to speak it. I can't even believe I get to be in your presence. There's a phenomenon that's sweeping the country right now. Taylor Swift is on tour, and people are going. 60,000 people are packing arenas, and they're screaming like, oh, my gosh. And I saw somebody post on social media, my seats are so bad that I can't see Taylor, but I'm in the same arena as her. I feel you. I feel you. We get to talk to God. We don't just get to be in his arena. We get to talk to him. We get to speak to him. We get to communicate with the creator of the heavens and the earth. Hallowed be his name. Are you praying, kingdom come? Saying, Jesus, please come and come quickly. Whatever else I've been praying for, God, whatever else I've been thinking about, whatever else I was going to do, I would just rather you come back. Just come back. That's all I really want. Are you praying for your daily needs? God, here is what I need today. Here's how I need you to show up. Here is what I need to get by. This is what I need. Are you praying for that? Church, how's your prayer life? Are you praying for forgiveness and the ability to forgive others? How's your prayer life? Are you praying for, for God to give you what you need to resist temptation? How's your prayer life? Or maybe you don't even know that you can pray at all. Maybe you're sitting here today and you've never been to church. Maybe you're sitting here today and you don't know who this God is. You don't know who this Jesus is that we're talking about. Maybe you're sitting here today and you, it hasn't even occurred to you that you can pray. Maybe you got invited by a friend or you're listening online or you're listening to this sermon six months from now. I don't know. Maybe you're just sitting here and you're saying, like, I, I don't even know if I can pray. And I want you to know that from the time I was in second grade until the summer after my senior year of high school, because of some very bad teaching, I believed with all of my heart that there really was a God. And I also believed just as strongly that I had no access to him. And so for years and years and years, I remember thinking, I wish I could pray. I remember thinking, I know God's up there, but because of stuff I've done and stuff that's been done to me, I don't have access to him. I sure wish I could talk to God. I remember sitting on the edge of my bed, facing really hard stuff that kids shouldn't have to go through, thinking if there was only a way I could pray, that would make it so much better. I just wish I could talk to God, but I can't. That's what I believed. I remember being a little kid who was getting bullied at school, wishing I could pray. I remember going through high school with all the ups and the downs and the temptations and the struggles, wishing I could pray. And then the gospel was shared to me, and Jesus opened my heart to belief. And I remember the first thing that I did when I truly believed, I remember yanking that 1981 Ford Bronco over onto the side of the road, shoving it into neutral, sticking my foot on the brake, and praying. And it was such an unbelievable feeling to think like, oh my gosh, I'm talking to God again. And my prayer that day was so simple. It was, God, I am a sinner and I am so sorry. I've been sinning against you for so long. 
I, I just didn't even know all the things I was doing and I've been doing them. I've been sinning against you and I need you to save me because I can't save myself. I remember praying, God, I don't know why you would want me. I have no idea why you would want me, but I've heard that you do and I'm believing in that. Will you please save me? I remember what that was like that day and I don't want us to lose that. Do you remember what it was like the first day you realized you could talk to your Father in heaven? You can pray like that. And if you've never prayed like that, you can pray that right now. You could pray right now where you're at. Maybe it's the first time you've ever prayed. Maybe that prayer would look something like a 17-year-old kid on the side of the road that said, God, I am a sinner and I'm sorry. I need you to save me because I cannot save myself. Jesus, will you save me? If that is you, you can pray that this morning. Church, how's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? Let's stand together and pray as Jesus taught us to pray. The words are going to be on the screen. Let's just say this together. We don't do this often. But it would be good to do it today. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Church, I want us to say it together. I maybe didn't say it right. Let's say it together. Church, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.